today on the Zabecast, to hell with my coal miner's lung. I look acute bronchitis in the eye and say, not today. Some leftover draft thoughts on the Redskins' new Lion King at quarterback. Our buddy Paul Charchian joins me to talk Game of Thrones, pop culture, and more. All that plus how Mike Florio would make the Tyreek Hill scenario in Kansas City even worse for the Chiefs. Bonus 1% me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Tuesday, April 30th, 2019. Thank you for downloading. Oh, you don't sound so bad. Why'd you take Monday off? Well, I'm going to tell you people. I have the mother of all bronchial infections. Viral infection? Bacterial infection. I've been told by multiple people, including Dr. Google, that 95% of bronchitis cases are viral. Not bacterial, therefore antibiotics, for which I have been prescribed, don't help out. All I know is Monday was the biggest waste of a day I can remember in a long time. I said to myself, because, you know, this started coming on last week. And I have a theory, oh, by the way, about how this came on. So I mowed my grass for the first time of the season on Monday and Tuesday of last week. And I think I've shown this before on my Twitter feed. I gear up when I put on, when I go to cut my grass, I put on a full industrial chemical breather with the two little filters on either side. This is the kind of stuff that they use in shipyards uh, when they're scraping the paint off of the inside of the engine room. Uh, and I put that on. I put a, I put ski goggles on to totally encase my eyes. I've learned my lesson from about 10 years ago when we moved out to this property and I mowed the lawn with nothing but sunglasses and a hat on. And I messed up my lungs breathing-wise for, oh, I don't know how many weeks, inhaling chopped up parts of grass clippings and uh, bugs and dust and pollen and everything else. Excuse me for a second while I... (coughs) There you go. I don't have a cough button on this setup here, so I apologize. But my coughing will be confirmation to you people of my dedication. My dedication to doing this. So anyway, I gear up to cut the grass. The one thing that I might not have done, which might have gotten me this time, I should have taken that mask, which was just hanging on a pegboard hook in my garage, and put it on and went out and cut the grass. Two and a half hours of blissful, mindless glory, uh, listening to various podcasts. Oh, I bet you're wondering which ones. I'm not going to tell. I've got my special ones that I like. Okay, maybe I'll tell you later on. I should have probably cleaned the mask out. I There was nothing really gross in it. I always check the inside of it. It's got like a rubber triangular gasket that fits over your mouth, sort of like Bane. <laughs> fits over your nose and your mouth, and it's silicone. And it's, you know inside of it, yeah, it might have a, a little speck of something in there. I always just check it first for spiders. That's all. I, just, I don't want to put this mask on my face and then have a spider crawl down my throat. <laughs> so it was clean enough. I put it on. I mowed the grass. By the time I was done 
uh, well, not by the time I was done, but like the next day, starting to feel like <laughs> like a little something going on. Like, damn it. Okay. Hopefully it get better. Hopefully it get better. And then gotten better. It's gotten worse. Maybe there was something in the mask. And maybe by breathing that for two and a half hours, I was mainlining it deep into my lungs. I don't know. A little bit of mold. A little bit of something. Chunk. I don't, I don't know. But it's in there. Oh, it's in there. And I am miserable. So yeah, Monday was, I said, okay, I'm going to take Monday off. I'm going to be a good boy. I'm going to go ahead and rest. I'm not going to sit at my desk and work. I'm going to literally do nothing. So I went down in the basement. I woke up at 9 a.m. Went after 10 plus hours of sleep. Uh, went down to the basement. I turned on my three TVs. I started watching the TVs. I was lying down. Uh, watched a, chunks of a couple of movies. And then I took a nap for about an hour and a half. Then I woke up. I was sat around some more. And all the time, it's like I'm not feeling any better. My cough is not any better. Although right now, doing this podcast, I'm like, okay, I can actually talk without coughing too much. So I'm just going to have to power through this because if it's going to take 10 to 14 days, which Dr. Google, by way of my lovely wife, found out uh, it may take to get over a viral infection, then I got to play. I mean, I'm going to play. Damn it. I'm playing tomorrow on my local show. Period. End of story. And I'm here today on the Zabecast. Uh, Charge is going to join me tonight, and we're going to talk a little Game of Thrones. Nerd! As well as talk some draft. So, I've gotten to know a bit more about the Redskins' number one pick, Dwayne Haskins, out of the Ohio State University. And by way of Bullis Academy, which is a very well-regarded prep school here in the D.C. area. A prep school, which, by the way, is also where owner Daniel M. Snyder's son attends. And from what I've heard, Dan Snyder's son actually plays football. And that that's something that, you know, we don't delve the media too much into Dan Snyder's family life because we're not savages here. It doesn't really matter. They don't need to be in the spotlight. They've done nothing wrong, his kids and his wife. But when I when I heard that his son might play football at Bullis, someone was pretty surprised. Like, really? Because, you know, Dan Snyder is not passing on incredible athletic genetics to his kids. And his kid is not growing up on the mean streets of anywhere when it comes to, you know, being hungry. He's, the kid's growing up, you know, like silver spoons. So the immediate reaction was, really, he's playing football? And I'm like, yeah, why not? It's a, it's a, private, it's a private prep school. He may not start. He may not play much. He might be on the team. Maybe he's pretty good. Who knows? But my ultimate zinger was, well, you know, Andy Poland played high school football for a couple of years as well. So there's that. And Andy makes no pretense about his own athletic shortcomings. I believe he was the backup center. I'm not sure if he ever played in the game. We, we would joke about Andy's high school football career and his high school football coach who actually had a penchant for punting on third down. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, there it is. Don't laugh. That's the key. As long as I don't laugh, I'll be fine. There is some rumors going around that the coaching staff was not so much a fan of Haskins. They were actually more of a fan of Daniel Jones. There was some talk that the coaching staff, including Jay Gruden, really liked Drew Locke, who did not go until the second round to the Denver Broncos. And a guy in Drew Locke who apparently has apologized for tweets he made when he was 14 years old. I didn't even see what questionable tweets they were. Most of these news stories that report on so-and-so apologizes for old tweets, they don't actually put the tweets right there for you to see. They feel like, well, since he's apologizing, we don't we don't want to amplify and repeat these insensitive tweets. And then you've got to start, you have to go hunting for the tweets. Like, oh, what did he say? How bad was it? Not sure that that is why he dropped, but whatever. So the coaching staff, according to some, may not have been sold on Haskins. And it may be Dan Snyder, who is... Oh, this is Scott Lynn calling. Let's just take it live on air. Scott Lynn, you are live on the Zabecast right now. I'm just doing a little warm-up here just to see how I can broadcast. What's going on? You sound good, actually. You sound a lot better than I sounded. Are you under the weather, too? I have, like, a pollen that I was dealing with through all six hours on the air today. Oh, my fucking God. Well, why don't you take tomorrow off? Nah, that's not going to work. So you, you, you can rest your voice. Just listen to this great story, and then you can laugh at it. By the way, you know, you, you, are, on the, you are on the podcast right now. Oh, God. Well, I don't want anybody to know this story. Forget it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then, okay. Uh, podcast listeners, please hold while I get this juicy story. And then we'll be right back after these messages. And we're back. Oh, I bet you're wondering, what what was that? What did Scott say? Oh, no, it was just stuff at the station. It was just a rough day at the station, including it, it, the fact that himself is not, that he himself is not sounding or feeling very good at this time. Okay, back to where we were, Dwayne Haskins. So, okay. Was this a Dan Snyder move to get Dwayne Haskins? That's the essential question. Maybe, possibly, who knows. I just know that Haskins is incredibly highly rated by many of the football experts. And if throwing 50 touchdowns was easy at a Big Ten school, everyone would do it. So you got to feel good about that right there. I don't care that he can't really run. He doesn't have much escapability. He's like a pocket passer. That's fine. That's where the game is played these days. What worries me a little bit is that he has certain qualities to him and and the whole family situation that makes him look like RG4. It looks like the sequel. SI.com did a piece on H&H Productions being run by his father. And it's uh, some kind of event management company, and it's got his brothers and sisters employed. And it was a whole big event at the bowling alley where Haskins was for draft night. And they went through it, and they had behind-the-scenes stuff. And his dad is already talking Super Bowls. Uh, It just reeks of, oh, God, we got a lot going on here before we've thrown a single touchdown pass in the NFL. And again, I'm not against it. 
I'm the guy that organized a Vegas, charged people 64 bucks. You got a t-shirt, you got a coin, got to see the podcast. You were in the Papa Shot contest. You got to go to the Vegas sign and you went to a nightclub. Was that value? I don't know. 50 bucks to get into the Dwayne Haskins draft day party. You got a t-shirt there. You got to meet Dwayne and hang out and be there. Yay, exciting. There's no bowling going on, by the way, either. There's a bowling alley and they closed all the bowling lanes. Would have been really loud and I think awkward to have bowling going on while a kid's getting drafted. But anyway, Dwayne Haskins' Twitter handle is uh, something something Simba. And the whole Simba angle is like his nickname from Lion King. And his avatar, Dwayne Haskins on Twitter, is a Photoshop of his face, half him, half lion, with a Nike bandana around his head. God, I hope he's good. Please, please be really, really good. Because the last thing I want to know is, the last thing that I want to see happen is, this guy's not good. And he flames out. And we look back and we're like, yeah, Simba. Simba with his half-man, half-lion avatar and H&H Productions and all this other stuff. You're like, not again, people. Not again. So good luck to him. He's, he may wear number seven. Latest I saw was that Joe Theismann said he is considering allowing Haskins to wear number seven. Not that it's not that it's his job to allow. Not not that not that he would have the right to say you can't, but give his blessing. How about that? He said he's uh, considering giving his blessing to Haskins. Meanwhile, Montez Sweat I already talked about him a bit on Thursday. Um, I like the pick. He better be good though because he's worth. Two, remember, he's worth a first rounder this year and a second rounder next year. He's a double player. You need to be really good if you're going to be a double player. Two picks. Don't just throw picks away thinking, well, we'll move up. It's just an extra pick. We don't don't need that. We got so many players. He needs to be good. Double player. Then they take in the third round also Ohio State product Terry McLaurin. uh, The deep threat wide out for Haskins, who he's close with. And my first tweet was just, okay, are we sure that we are drafting the best players available and not just drafting guys' friends? Because McLaurin was in a mix of a number of other wide receivers that were rated in that area. His production numbers-wise was not great. Everyone speaks the world of McLaurin in terms of his leadership, his attitude, They just say he's a a rock-solid kid, and they love his toughness. He's willing to block. He can start on special teams right away. Great deep threat, very fast, 4-3-40 time. Just didn't produce a lot, per se, in terms of total catches. Was a good touchdown connection, though, uh, between him and Haskins, and Haskins admitted that he lobbied the coaching staff to draft McLaurin once he had been drafted himself. And there is nothing wrong with that, but it always just makes you pause a little bit and think, ah, okay. So one more thing on the local angle with these picks and and everything else. The two number one picks did a sort of a press conference downtown in front of the Jefferson Memorial. And they also announced the McLaurin pick live uh, on the draft 
because they sent a remote camera crew out there. They had a little Redskins podium, and the uh, both Haskins and Sweat were out there. And it was a nice touch. But observers here locally have noticed that there's a lot more D.C. going on now with Dan Snyder and the Redskins, whereas in the past, he might have a draft day party out at the stadium in Landover. He didn't do that this year. He added a venue on the waterfront in D.C. called the Anthem. Other times, you might have Redskins Park in Virginia be the place where uh, the two picks uh, like Haskins and Sweat would have been on Saturday. Instead, he drags them downtown to stand in front of the memorial. Hmm. Could he be begging and rubbing up to the district of Kamumbly for that new stadium? I would say you're god dang right he is. NBA playoffs have now gotten real, and we're into the second round. And boy, did the Celtics roll into Milwaukee and tell the Bucks, okay, look up, look here, look here, noobs. Not that the Bucks are noobs. I mean, they went seven with the Celtics last year, but that's seven minus Gordon Hayward and minus Kyrie Irving, and they lost. This time, the Celtics not only roll in with Uncle Drew and with an improving and a strengthening Gordon Hayward, uh, but they bring all that battle experience of the playoffs. Even though Giannis had averaged, I think the number was 30 and 10 against the Celtics uh, this season, or 30 and 10 against the Celtics, stretching back even further than just this year, he they had a plan for him. And they were physical, and they knocked him around. I think Giannis probably could have gotten a few more calls, but you know what are you going to do? They had a good plan for him. And the rest of the Bucs supporting cast just did not hit shots. Another theory that people are saying is, look, this is where the Bucs, as good as they have been during the regular season, need that true number two. Where if number one, Giannis, is not working for you, you need a number two to pick up the slack. They have good complementary guys, and a bunch of them, and a bunch of three-point shooters and versatility and size and everything else. But do they have a true number two? Game number two is essentially game number seven for the Bucks, and they've got to win that, or otherwise, well, you know which way this series is headed. Meanwhile, the other game on Sunday was game one, Rockets and Warriors, and it ended in predictable fashion with everybody bitching about the referees. At this point, properly officiating an NBA game to everyone's satisfaction is impossible. Because NBA players today have gotten so good at all the tricks, the trickery of kicking feet out and closing out and landing in people's landing zones and and making guys uncomfortable and grabbing and touching and clutching. And the NBA has this sort of overall philosophy of we don't want to foul anybody out ever. In fact, the the final two-minute report, the F2M, as they call it, uh, that thing said that Steph Curry should have fouled out. But he didn't because he's a star and he's at home. Now, Chris Paul got ejected. See, here's what I don't get. The NBA clearly doesn't like to foul guys out. But they have no problem with referees ejecting players because ejections this year in the playoffs have been through the roof. Guys getting tossed left and right. It just, it seems so asinine. I would, if I was the NBA, I'd say, look, we don't want guys getting ejected by a hot-headed referee, especially not in the first half, unless it's a flat-out fist fight. But at the same time, if fouls are being committed and a guy gets his fifth or sixth, 
call it, and he's disqualified. That's part of the game of basketball. But Harden throwing up the the flare saying we didn't have a fair chance, quote unquote. The you know, day two media, you know, pushback of okay, who is or is not getting the calls? Was this a call? And I looked at so many looped gifs of Harden jumpers, Steph Curry jumpers, Draymond Green jumpers, uh, Durant jumpers, Chris Paul jumpers, guys defending all those guys, people's opinions, people's hot takes, reactions to the hot takes. Honestly, you get so many different ways guys kick their legs out. Or if they don't kick their legs out, they jump and then they float forward into the defender's landing zone. And then they flop and they lean and everything else. And I just don't think it's good for the NBA that getting to the to the line and complaining about calls is all that was talked about after this game one. Shouldn't the talk about game one between two great teams with star players that met in an epic series last year in the playoffs that went the distance, shouldn't the talk be about more than just who got fouled or did not get fouled at the end of the game? Of course. The answer is of course. And with so many fouls already called and so many free throws already shot, the game itself was a uh, sort of a stuttering, I'm talking about stuttering, it was a no flow having, rather ugly affair. And that's how the NBA is right now. And oh, by the way, television ratings for the NBA in the playoffs are down substantially. Yes, it's the LeBron effect. They're down like 20% depending on who you look at and what time zones, what, what outlets and everything else. We'll see how the finals do when we get there. But right now, the NBA product has got to be better than this. It's got to be better than just guys... ISO, pull up, jump shot, flop, complain about foul, bitch about it after the game, and then spend another whole day and a half until game the next game in the series saying who is or is not getting the damn calls. This is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. Good day and welcome to our single. I'm Bob McKenzie and this is my brother Doug. How's it going, eh? All right, Charch is with us now as we connect via Skype. Hello, Charch. How are you? I am fantastic. It is, I, it's been too long. Last time I saw you, I think in Vegas. Uh, yes. it, was Ve- it was Vegas. I may have been drunk. Uh, yeah, exactly. We got a couple things to talk about today. Game of Thrones, NFL Draft, yes. and show endings in pop culture, because I've got a whole Ooh, thought about that, kind of based off of how everyone's starting to talk now about these final three episodes of one yeah, of the all-time yeah. legendary shows in history, Game of Thrones. Before I go any further, though, question. Are you also an Avengers Endgame fanatic? You know, for whatever reason, my nerddom ends at comics and superheroes. That's not really my bit so much. Um, I've seen most of the movies that lead up to it, but it's not compelling to me. And I don't find the movies to be, frankly, 
that good. I think, I think they're just okay, and they're just popcorn movies, right? Oh boy! So you you, you are me. you are drawing incoming fire against me for saying that on my podcast. Do you know the oh, people? Do really? you, you know the people are gonna they're gonna be like, how dare Charge say that he he needs to watch this? He needs to watch that. I'm with you on this though, and that I'm not anti. I just it doesn't resonate with me, even though I do have my own nerd passions. That, that's exactly how I feel. If you love it, God bless you. I, you know, I'm not taking anything away from that. It's just, I don't, it just, the superhero genre, even in comics, does not do a ton for me. One of my best friends is the guy who wrote the, the best-selling graphic novel of all time when Superman died, and he still works for DC today. And um, and to his frustration, he can't get me into comics either. And who, Superman, who is that? His name is Dan Jurgens. Do you remember the do you remember 15, 20 years ago when Superman died and it was a really big deal? And and he was the author of that, and it's gone on to be the, the best-selling comic book. Dan uh, Jurgens. Dan Jurgens. And where yes. does he live? In Minneapolis. He's in my fantasy league. Is he super and rich? I think he's well off. He wrote the but so he wrote what did he write? So it was a very, very big deal. Again, this is a while ago, like 15, 20 years ago. Superman died in the comic book world. And that has never happened before. And, you know, in general, especially back then, they never died, period. You right. know, but to have Superman and his invincibility. And they took they did not write a Superman book for like a year after that. And um, and it was a very, very big deal. And he was the author of that particular uh, that particular book, because he had been writing Superman for years. So he wrote the post Superman is dead book. He wrote the pre and the post and the book itself. Yeah, but Superman dying, and that's um, it's. Le- I mean, for people that are in with superheroes, it's legendary. Okay, hold on a second. See now, I, now I've got to know the answer to this because I'm I'm in the weeds and I, I can't. My mind can't let it go. You say he wrote the book, sure. meaning the comic book. Well. The comic book, yes, the comic book of uh, that, you know. So it would know, be, month, it would be a new Superman. So it would be Superman Volume Thirty Six, Edition Seven, or whatever, however they sequence yeah. them, right? Yep, yep, exactly, exactly. Now they. How did he? That, how did he get the chance to write that? Because it sounds like there's multiple authors of various. Well. Usually there is only one author. So typic, in a typical comic book, as I now know, there is a writer, there is a penciler, and then there's like a colorist. Colorist, okay. And so those tend to be the three jobs. And he was the he was the writer, the author of that one and, and had been before and after that for Superman. So okay, Superman hold on, had, hold on. Sorry to interrupt, time. but I have no, to interrupt. Okay. Who owns the franchise? Of DC. DC Comics. And yes. that's different from Marvel, obviously. Those are the two big houses right. of comics, right? Right. Marvel makes great movies and DC makes crap. Okay. And, and is is putting out comic books in 2019 still a profitable business? Oh, it's incredibly profitable. Okay. It's, it is blown up thanks to the adoption of nerd culture. Okay. All right. So it's still profitable. So some big conglomerate owns the Superman franchise. DC does, and right. whoever owns DC does, yes. Okay, someone has to be in charge of the story arc of the main character, Superman, 
And so mm-hmm. therefore, who decided that Superman was going to die? And how did your friend get the job of writing that episode? Um, I my and I haven't talked to him about this in many, many years. My belief is that um, and you're right, it's you don't just get to do that when you're the author. You have to you know, you have to get sign off from the top if you're going to kill <laughs> Superman. You're by, right? like, like, hey, man, I'm writing these Superman comic books. I thought I'd kill him. Does that work kill for him. you guys right. or what? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> exactly. So uh, it went through, you know, many layers of bureaucracy, and finally they decided that they were uh, they were going to do it, and it ended up being a massive, massive PR uh, bonanza for them. Good PR and or bad? Great PR. So because did the fanboys I mean, were the fanboys and girls like Superman dies? Bullshit, man! He never dies. Or were they like, ooh, this is dramatic? Um, it, it was two camps. It was the bullshit camp and then the tears camp, Zabe, the people that were, you know, like he's dead, you know, and, and that they didn't publish. Right. So, you know, they knew eventually Superman would in some way somehow come back. Right. right. You know, they weren't going to never make another Superman again and DC knew it, but they didn't publish anything. And so they, they played it perfectly for a long, long time. And I think it was over a year. So they went dark on they Superman dark. comics for a year. Yeah. Forgoing a lot of revenue in the process. Correct. But ultimately, how, it was did, a huge hit for them. And it built up all of this interest in Superman. So not only did they get a huge, huge amount of, of national attention, nightly news, everything, when they killed Superman, when they brought him back, they got it again. Wow. How'd he die falling off a ladder, cleaning his gutters? That would have been the best way to kill him. <laughs> something something stupid and mundane like fucking Superman, you idiot. Exactly. Or, or, or a hot tub, a hot tub infection. He got some weird staph infection <laughs> in his hot tub. Never recovered. Man of steel my ass. So uh, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well that is pretty awesome. Now you might think that that and by the way, where and so to make the distinction, because I know this is not your domain and it's not mine either, really. Um that comic book is not the best-selling comic book of all time. But what they do, Zabe, is they repurpose these comics into what are called trades, which are like novellas, right? You've seen like the thicker, sure. the thicker things that are like, you know, eight or ten or twelve of these things all run together. Sure. That's that is the death of Superman is the best selling trade of wow. all time. Wow. I'm I'm fascinated by these worlds of people's hobbies that I know nothing about, even if I don't give a shit about them. Uh, It it fascinates Mm -hmm. me and I'm curious about it. But yeah, the the whole the whole Avengers series and all the the superheroes that never resonate with me, although I've run into these movies and I've watched good chunks of them sitting around, you know, flipping through channels at times. But when yep. I heard that Avengers Endgame was wrapping up something absurd like 24 different movies, is that sound about yeah. right? Well, you wouldn't yeah, know because you're not yeah. into it. It's like an yeah, astounding I, number of movies that are all being wrapped up. And right. it's so anticipated by all of the super fans that guys are getting beat up outside theaters if they dare to shout spoilers. Yes. How about that? Now, I don't know if you heard this, but LaShawn McCoy, of course. the running back for total, the Bills, total tweeted, asshole. Right. tweeted uh, spoilers. Of course. He got nothing but hate back his way. Exactly. A kid in uh, a kid in Texas got busted uh, because 
he uh, when the theater was sold out, he borrowed uh, like his grandmother's wheelchair and claimed that he needed that he was disabled. And he went in in a fake in a, in a you know plan as if he were disabled just so he could get in the theater. Oh, he God. got busted. The level of desperation is ridiculous. Now, if you don't know, Zabe, the theory right now, the whole thing's come to a end game is is like the end of the, all of these storylines. And the thinking is that they're going to drop all of these actors or the vast majority or, or you know some number of these actors and that start are playing over? these characters and start the whole thing over again. Yep. Oh, wow. Well, at yeah. some point, you know, I, Scarlett Johansson still has her fastball, but at some point in life, she won't. I don't even want to oh, contemplate. I don't even want to contemplate the day charge in which ScarJo doesn't give me instant wood. But that day's coming. Isn't it comes sad? for all actresses. Oh. How uh, how great was the opening scene of Lost in Translation? Do you that remember? was the one with Bill Murray where they were in a gloomy Tokyo bar for most of the movie. That's exactly right. The opening scene, Scarlett Johansson. I don't remember wearing, it. She's, it's her. It is her butt on a bed wearing oh. only sheer panties. <laughs> and the camera is panning like up her legs across her ass. It was a it's, it's one of the better openings to any movie ever. She is absolute fire. And and her in that Black Widow jumpsuit is hot as well. Yeah. Hot as balls. Exactly. Okay. All right. Let's. But you uh, know they've been doing these. They've been making these for decades. All these actors are a decade older than when they started, and some older than that. So you know, it's just it's it's time to move on for most of these actors. Yeah. And okay. by the way, one other thing you might be you might be interested to in, know: Did my buddy get incredibly wealthy because he wrote that Death of Con of Superman? And the answer is no, because he didn't. Does he did not create Superman? But there are other characters over the course of his 30-year career that he has created. And if they ever get their own movie, uh, then it's then he hits the jackpot. Got it. So he was that he was helps. sort of like a contract musician playing for Duke Ellington's band when he wrote that Superman yeah. thing. That's that's kind of the gist of it, yes. You get okay. very little, you get very little unless it's your original creation. All right, let's get to the real nerdery, which is Game of Thrones. There are yes. three major things I think people are starting to complain about with this year's with 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 episode three. And I, I saw some of your tweets, and I think you're you're also on a few of these squares. So let me just lay the three things out, and then we'll pick pick them apart one by one. Complaint number one: the show that used to kill anybody at any time is now putting every major character in so-called plot armor. That's complaint mm -hmm. number one. Agreed? Agreed. Okay. Complaint number two, and then we'll deal, and then we'll deal with all the other accessory complaints. Complaint right. number two is that with eight years of buildup of the Night King, the indomitable arch villain and oh my god it's the apocalypse for it for him to be killed that relatively easily people are like what the hell and they're saying what's his backstory what did he want who was he etc that's complaint number two complaint number three was i couldn't see shit during that episode okay charge i'll hang up and list your answer off the air go ahead all right number one uh, i want to do one in reverse order the picture quality was 
laugh out loud ridiculously bad for everybody. Not just me, not just you, everybody. Now, here's the thing, Zabin. You will be able to appreciate this because you are a, you are a man cave TV AV nerd like I am. Yes. We know that that whatever, if whether it's cable, satellite, streaming television, whatever you're using, they can compress the signal so that even though you've got a, a 4K OLED right. TV, at a minimum, you think you're getting like 1080p signal. At a minimum, no, no, no. In these high demand moments like this, in order to make sure people get something rather than just getting a blackout because they've overloaded the system, right. they will turn they will turn up the compression. So yep. your 1080p signal isn't even seven isn't even 720p. You're getting like a 480p signal. Artifacting, so blockiness, artifacting all over the place. Yeah. Ghosting, yes. yeah, a lot, a lot of bad stuff that that comes. In fact, not only can they compress, every picture is compressed to some degree. Like what people don't realize, the yeah. only way you can know you're getting an uncompressed signal in this world is over the air high definition. Is it's literally the only uncompressed high def out there. But but I guess what I'm saying is it's still getting crunched down from the studio to be delivered out to the public. Like if you really charge wanted the most pristine copy, you have to go right to the source because they got to smash this thing down. The other problem was, and I think the director, and I forget the guy's name that did this famous battle scene, uh, but he wanted the viewer to feel like they were in the fog of war, like the yeah, characters. Clearly, yes. And I understand that from an artistic standpoint, but I think he overrated that element of it. You want to do it for 10 minutes of that battle scene and then give us a little bit more visual? Fine. Don't make us suffer through the whole goddamn episode not being able to see shit. Also, anytime you're throwing at any television set an array of blacks and grays and uh -huh. dark grays and off grays, your display, whether it's a OLED, 4K, a projector, whatever, it can't handle all that that low tone shit. It does. It's not meant yes. to display all that. It's gonna struggle. So there you go. Correct. That's all, everything you said. Hundred percent true. And they should know that. Now, Zabe, this is a common problem in the video game world. And all the, all these people that that work in video, um, and I've heard this. I hear it in the video game world a lot. Why you know why is everything so dark all the time? It, because the, the guys that are making these things, they turn out the lights, they work in a dark environment, so their screen pops and they can right, see everything. Right. And they get they get they get it they get it messed up. And then we're all watching in an ambient room and you know the thing looks we're all like, I can't see anything. It's all dark. And they don't appreciate how dark it is. It's a, it's a I Here, so here's disappointed the, here's, with that part. Here's the other thing too, is that you know, they reportedly uh, took fifty nine nights to film that outdoor battle yeah and they ah. did they did actual night shoots and the cast was like it was miserable it was freezing i think they shot it parts of it in alberta that was what i saw in the credits as i paused it they wow yeah northern ireland and alberta canada had credits at the end of game of thrones saying thanks to both you know weird well because you figure it's not snowing in northern ireland right well no probably not so I don't he, know, maybe the time of the year it might be, but yeah, in right. Alberta, your chances are a lot higher. Yeah. So anyway, uh, or in Minnesota, did you get snow this past weekend? No, missed, missed I, I, think, I think we're done, but I got it like two weekends ago. Do you know, so, do you know Milwaukee got snow? 
And Chicago got a dusting yes. of snow? Ridiculous. Okay, so... Yeah, southern Minnesota got it this past weekend. We just, we narrowly avoided it. The other thing, so so they shot it at night, which means all of the cameras had to strain to deal with low ISO mm-hmm. values, and that automatically puts a strain on the sensors on the cameras and introduces grain and other artifacts in the original copy. They would have been better right. off, as I'm sitting here as an armchair uh, cinematographer charge, they would have been better off filming in dusk or twilight and then just lowering the actual aperture on their yeah. on their cameras to make it look darker. But what do right. I know? And I'm just a dick most at home night with the camera. Scenes, people don't realize this, I think, Zabe. Most night scenes that you see in a movie or in many television shows are shot during daylight or dusk, and then they, yeah, they, darken they, it. Can, uh, they can apply software. Right. Yeah. They just run software over it that turns it into night, and you don't know any better. Yeah. So, okay. You know, so, I, so that's for said, exactly com- these kinds, exactly these kinds of reasons. And one last thing that you touched on that I think is really important. Here's the longest episode in the history of Game of Thrones. You're gonna throw the whole thing into a cloud where I'm straining to make out what's happening the entire time. I mean, come on! You're gonna give me these these epic dragon battles, and I can't even tell can't which see. dragon is which or who's doing what to what. I think they were both biting each other, from what I could see. <laughs> That's about it. That's all I could tell. Uh, all right. All right well, hold on a death. second. So let's yeah. let's talk about the Night King death. First of all, are you are you upset that the Night King's backstory? Apparently, there's no backstory. It's like, yeah. You know what? This was a side deal. We got to get on to the battle with Cersei. Um, this is, you do not listen to the Game of the North podcast that I do with KFAN here. I should. Um, w- before when we did our season preview before uh, four weeks ago, I my my big thing was they're going to wrap up the whole Night King thing in the middle of season the final season here, so the last two or three episodes can be about. Stark versus Lannister versus Targaryen. Wow. And we can get that. That's so you be the called main, that. Main thing. I did. And here, here's why they had to do it. The, the, the whole crux of everything we've been sitting through for seven seasons, Zabe, has been Starks versus Lannisters versus Targaryens. I mean, that's the big payoff here. Right. And the Night King, and you alluded to this, and you're 100% right. The Night King is about the 17th most interesting bad guy on this show. He has <laughs> no personality. We know nothing about him. He doesn't even frown. He makes no facial expressions. He has no backstory. I don't give a shit about that guy. Joffrey, now that's a bad guy. Ramsey Bolton, that's a bad guy. Those are people I wanted to see die. They can make bad guys in this show. The Night King, he was just... Just a zombie. I mean, it's, he brought nothing to the table. Right. I wasn't sad to see him go whatsoever, and I'm just glad to be, frankly, I'm just bl- bl- glad to be done with this storyline. <laughs> right. So we can turn our attention to what's going to be the fascinating part of this as now all the survivors vie for the Iron Throne. Yeah. As I went back, thank you for seeing my tweet about that, and I, that was what I tweeted out after the episode. I said, so many characters in this show would make my blood run cold. They were so viscerally evil and so unpredictable. I mean, Joffrey was like, when they show him doing crossbow practice with prostitutes, it's a shocking, gut-wrenching scene where you're like, holy shit, this guy is a sadistic piece of shit, like unpredictable. I mean, terrifying. And he's a kid. Terrifying. Night King never terrified me because it was too right? much in the nope. fantasy, Dungeons and Dragons, whatever. Okay. 
The other thing that I thought could have used a little touch of realism, and before people scoff and say, but there's dragons, you idiot. It's not real. I know. That's all, that's all I'm getting today, by the way. I know. That's all I'm... Every fantasy show or endeavor does need to have some coherent logic and some element of pseudo-realism to stitch it all yes. together. Correct? Correct. And yeah. my thing was, Arya needed to like drop off a branch and kill the Night King, not fly up like she's Jordan dunking on somebody <laughs> where she should have been easily seen by one of the other generals as she comes to save the day. Cause that would have been quite plausible. She slips out during the battle, makes it somehow to the weirwood tree slithers up there and waits for her moment. That's all just a little dollop would have been nice. Yes. So uh, here, uh, let me expand on the Arya part. Uh, great character, and I love her, right? Here's the thing. Everyone loves Arya. Last we see her, last we see her, she and the Hound um, and the Red the red, uh, Sorceress the red woman. Lady. Uh, Melisandre. The uh, they, they have locked themselves into a room in the bowels of Winterfell. They are surrounded by zombies that are pounding on the doors, and the whole place is overrun by zombies. Somehow, she gets out of that room, which they never show us. Somehow, she traveled through a, a wasteland a, a of whites. Thousands of these whites, thousands of them. <laughs> then somehow she gets to the inner circle where uh, where Bran is yep. and where the Night King is, despite the fact that, by the way, that's not only is the Night King there, but also that his inner tier of white walkers are also there. She gets in there unnoticed and then she kills the Night King. You know, she could do all of those things, but they didn't show us, Sabe, any of those things. All of a sudden, she teleported there. Right. You know, all they had to do was spend five seconds on every one of those components. Show her sneaking out of the back of the room. Show her traversing through all these whites. Maybe she's using her face masking ability. Show her how she got perched for the ambush. I, that's all uh, I needed. Okay, instead, here's where here's the only thing I'd quibble. Here's the only thing I'll quibble, and that is if they showed her prepping for the ambush, it would have telegraphed the payoff. How many people saw Arya as coming out of the darkness to to do it at that moment? Uh, probably not many. Okay. Because in part, but I think they went too far for that. They went, so, they, I think they tried right. so hard, Zabe, well, to get the surprise. Yes. It made it implausible. I called it. feel cheated. I, I consider it to be a, a typical deus ex machina type save the day ending. Some yeah. nerd on Twitter said, that's not, that's not the right way to use the term. And I was like, well, I guess I forget what I learned in high school, but they wanted it as a total surprise, but they should have shown at least Arya escaping the room to go do something else and then leave it at that. And then she should either drop from a branch or pop out from underneath the garment skirts of brands wheelchair using her faceless men, ninja skills instead of just literally appearing out of the darkness, like Michael Jordan to dunk on the night King, which I do love the hand switching memes with Jordan against the Pistons in that game back yes. in the 80s or the early <laughs> that is 90s. That's great, isn't it? That was great. Now, the biggest complaint People I have uh, the uh, biggest complaint I have about the kill is that this wasn't her kill. Arya's kill is Cersei going back to when Cersei. she said oh, yeah. 
I'm going to go kill the queen. Everyone knows yeah. that's coming. Everyone demands that that happen. We don't care if we know it's going to happen. We'll just be excited and interested to see how it happens and to see Cersei's face when she does kill Cersei. So we don't care. That's her kill. You don't it's, give well, her the you don't give her the Night King charge. Yeah. The Night King belongs to John. John was on the Night's watch and froze his balls off on the wall all those years. The Night King was was his, in my opinion. Um, I have I think you're right, and I I, I in one of the things we end up talking about on our our Men of the North podcast is now that Arya's had her big moment. You know, is there anything left for her character? I think I really do think there is Cersei left for her. So there'll be a showdown there. Hopefully Arya will win, but you know, maybe not. And well, this brings hold, us hold, to hold, our hold, hold, hold on yeah. a second. Let's think okay. this out. If Cersei if Arya doesn't kill Cersei, who will? Jamie. I mean, clearly Jamie, Jamie and Cersei are going to have the brother sister twin you know, twin showdown. It's going to happen. Okay. That, it has to happen. And by the way, Jamie's going to die. Cersei lives so that Arya can take her down. Okay. Here's then, my here's my yeah. complaint. You're giving Arya the two biggest kills in the show. That's too much. I think the last kill belongs to Arya. In my opinion, that was Cersei. I just thought Jon Snow should have gotten the white the, the the Night King. But what do I know? Yeah. Well, no, I, I think you're right. I mean, just it feels that way. We usually don't, you know, usually, you know, the, for a major character, you get one of these, right? right. And you, you don't get more than one. Um, you get exactly one. And when Melisandre, you know, she had her moment. This was her big moment, right? Her big payout with this one. She died. She right. didn't get another one. So now, now another character who's got one of his big moment coming yet is Sam. And by the way, this brings us to your first point. So, so we've we've managed to go back from three, two, one. How the hell is Sam alive? For the love of God, there's seven people left standing after the end of this battle, and I'm supposed to believe that Sam whimpered his way through it. Why? Why? If they needed to keep Sam alive, why did you just throw him in the crypt? I Wait, I have said this, on numerous occasions, I want that fat fuck to get killed so badly, and I'm considered a heretic for that. I am so <laughs> not course. a fan of him or his simpering little character. And, oh, look, I stole some books at the Citadel and I figured it all out. Shut the fuck up, you. Tired of you. And you're right. He yes. should be easily dead. But he he's, be dead. he's got the most plot armor of any of these people, I think. There's no way yeah, he's well, dying. You, you know why, right? Why? Because he is. He's the manifestation of George R. R. Martin. No, oh, <laughs> that's right. He is. He's, he is. He's, 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 a, he's a big, fat, bearded white guy who's the smart guy in but, the room. But slightly. That's, that's, slight, he is George R.R. R. Martin. Right. Slightly slightly more handsome and less fat than George R.R. R. Martin. But yes. Yeah, absolutely. And younger. <laughs> exactly. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, what else? Yeah. So that, and I, that's, why, that's why I stayed alive, I think. And to your point. Nobody important was killed here. Come on, this is a show that they're part of the brilliance of it is that they've they've dispatched important characters who we care about and love, and they are gonna stop now in the biggest the biggest battle in the history of of TV. Nobody of really of real significance dies. I think come on. I think killing off the Mormonts, the writers thought this is enough. 
cherished people. Yeah. And, and and I loved Sir Jorah, and he died oh, valiantly, even though he got gut stabbed and was still able to stand up after that for another minute. I'm like, okay, don't gut stab hey, him and then let right. him stand up now, and keep Lady fighting. Lady Mormont's uh, death and uh, and that was better, frankly. That was good, although again, enough of the portraying all the women as badass her- heroes and the men as yeah, simpering cowards. Sure. I know the Hound is afraid of fire, but to make the Hound have this scene like he was Corporal Upham in the stairwell at the end of Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, it's like, when did feminists take over the writer's room for this show, for God's sakes? Yeah, it didn't used to be that way. It didn't. No. Um, and yeah. By the way, Hound's going to get his, uh, if the Hound, it's going to be Hound versus Mountain. And, you know, that that's Clegane a Bowl. that will certainly happen. Yeah, Clegane Bowl, as we're calling it. That definitely has to happen. By the way, you're yeah. talking about how the show used to be. That was one of the things that early on I read about this. There was quite some controversy about how misogynistic the show was and how violent the show was and did it really yeah. need all the nudity and the raping and all that other shit. And I'm like, yeah, it needs it because it viscerally dunks you into a hostile world that mm-hmm. makes you feel something and it makes you envelop and like this is a really fucking bad place. For certain people to be. And so therefore, with that as a backdrop of prostitutes being used for crossbow practice by King Joffrey, any strong females, Arya, Brienne, shine brighter because yeah. they are willing to stand up in the face of such atrocities as women in a world where women are treated as disposable garbage. And it makes you identify with them more. Now, at the end of the series, when the only characters doing anything heroic are all women, you're like, okay, all right, there we go. Yeah, that's I, there's a point. lot. I think I think you're I think you're dead on with that. And it also, you know, it, the early the early episodes with, that were more that way, the it made it reinforced the anything can happen at any moment, and bad things happen to good people all the time, and it right. reinforced that. And we're so far out of that right now. You know, yeah. I, 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 I just, I can't believe we're three episodes in and we don't have a major character dead. George is the closest thing we got to a major character. Theon, you know, these are, they're secondary characters in this thing. None of them have died. And I can't even, I couldn't speculate as to who'd even be next because I, I feel like they're all invincible right now. Yeah. All that said, and, and, and I, I think I tweeted this. I said, if, if these were the first three episodes, not the last three or amongst the last three, I probably would have dropped the series. It would not have been to my yeah. liking. That is not, however, doesn't negate how much I love the show and how much I'm going to enjoy going back to episode one and watching it all over again, taking notes. It's just the nature of TV shows that are popular that come to an end. Fans usually have a lot of negative thoughts about what's going on for one simple reason, Charge. We don't want the show to end. Mm-hmm. You know, very few people said, oh yeah, Seinfeld, let's wrap it up. Nobody said that. No. And so no. therefore the final episode of Seinfeld was not well received because people are pissed off. They're like, well, fuck, the show is ending. Oh no, it was bad. It was also bad. All right. End of the Sopranos. Did people like that? No, they didn't like it. Because I didn't want the Sopranos to end. No. And, and, and but you th- but the other part of it was, not only in that case, not only do it not end, 
but it it left you it left everything so ambiguous, right? You just felt like I went all this way and right. you're not going to you're not going to tell me what happened. I got to guess what happened. Come on. Well, some people And I think that's fair. But but then if everything wraps up nice and tidy, a lot of people don't like that either. Like if I get to the if we get to the end of Game of Thrones, and let's say that uh let's say John's on the throne and Danny is right at his arm, his queen and they're yeah. smiling and you get the 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 pan out or the or the or the the zoom out of the whole palace as everyone's smiling as a just ruler and an honorable woman is at his side and the seven kingdoms are going to see peace and and prosperity for years to come it's going to feel like the ewok scene at the end of the third Star Wars movie <laughs> where you might as well have fireworks going off and you're like, yay, everything's nice. I don't want that as an ending. Uh, how about this for a possible ambiguous ending? We don't know for sure if the person on the throne is the person on the throne or if it's Arya using her masking ability. And that is ambiguous enough that Ooh. we don't know. Interesting. By the way, did Could you happen. think how about this for alternate theory? Do you think that perhaps the Night King was about to bend the knee to Bran and that Bran is evil and that Bran warged with his, you know, ravens into the Night King and that this was Bran's revenge on the entire lot of the scheming humans who thirsty I've for power? I've never heard that theory, but that's that's very that's very interesting. Maybe. Yeah, that that because they're looking at each other and right before well he did pull out his sword so I guess that the Night King was making the move we uh -huh. think to kill Bran. But what if Bran so remember Bran has been saying like I'm a different person now. Didn't yeah, he say that yeah, in an yeah. episode this year? And couldn't oh. he just be so disgusted with humans and they're fighting and they're killing that this was his way, even against his own family, his own blood. He's like, fuck it. Yeah. I've warged into the Night King. I'm coming south to wipe out Winterfell. And I'm going to keep going south to King King's Landing. And it's over for all you fuckers because I got pushed out of a window because some dude was fucking his sister. And I'm paralyzed. So, so but now he's lost. Now he's lost the army of the dead. If he wanted, if, he's evil. if he wanted to. If he wanted to take that, if he wanted to take King's Landing, you would think you'd want the Army of the Dead on on your side, right? So you've got you've got thousands and thousands of people. I think if you're going with the Bran is evil thing and that the Night King was going to kneel to him, I think Bran figured I've won this battle essentially. It's all mop up. Theon died defending me. How dumb was that? Like, oh yeah, Theon oh, Theon so is going to def defend him. Okay, sure. And and he's like, okay, ha. cool. Let's let's bring my generals over here, away from the heat of the action, because the weirwood tree is kind of off to the side there at King at uh, Winterfell. And let's go ahead. Yeah. And this thing's almost over. They're mopping up the last few characters to kill, as they did the operetta of death on the show. That didn't it seem like everyone was going to die last night? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, at the you know, <clears throat> shortly before in the moments before Night King died, it looked like they were all going to die. They literally and figuratively had their backs up against the wall. Yeah, that was kind of cliche. That yes, said, that said, uh, here's the thing: you name for me, and this will be for our listeners. <clears throat> name for me a TV show that was super popular 
that ended in a way in which people were happy. I, I'm old enough to, and I think you are too, because we're about the same age. Do you remember when MASH went off the air? You know, we were probably high school age then right. or something close to that. Right. And I think people were pretty happy with the end of MASH, and it was a huge, huge deal at the time. Well, I, I'm always fuzzy on how that ended. It, Hawkeye was on a bus with a bunch of people trying to get out of a hostile area, and there was a woman with a baby who was crying, and... Hawkeye was like, shut that thing up, and she ended up smothering it, but it was a chicken, not a baby, or vice versa, something like that? Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> you know, I don't right. remember the details, but I remember it being generally well-regarded, but I don't recall the details. Are you an Office fan? Yeah, but I Have gave the... up, like everybody else, I stopped watching once right. uh, Michael Scott was gone. Did you? Do you remember the last episode of The Office? Where they were holding no, a press... No, I don't, again... Cause I... They held a pre the characters no. held a press conference because of the documentary. I mean, oh, really? Yeah. yeah, because that was the premise of why are they filming a yeah. paper company in Scranton? So they actually had right, a right. a local press avail to talk to the people in the documentary. It was it, uh, trust me, it was not a satisfying final episode or ending to the show. Almost every great show ends up with people not happy about it because they love the show. This is how it is with Game of Thrones. And so when people, you know, come at me about, I can't believe you're criticizing it. You don't get it. Da, 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 da. This show is brilliant. This episode is brilliant. Hey, man, I love the show. I'm into it. But it's ending. And so deep down, I'm like, fuck it, man. They should keep going with this. Yeah. Uh, they're well, I'm, you know, they're not going to, but we are going to get the prequels and uh, the sequels, right? The prequel that's in the works is set. 10,000 years before this, I think, something the, like that. The Long Night, which is going to be during the winter, which means more dark fucking scenes in snowstorms yeah. that we can't see. Great. Yeah. I, you know what I want? I want to... If Okay, how about this? Of all the worlds and all the characters and all the things that have come through Game of Thrones, if you could pick one area to focus on for a spinoff of sorts, mm -hmm. what would it be? Because for me... I want to spin off on all things Dorn and yeah. the Snake Sisters and mm -hmm. oh, the Martell family. That's what I want. That Mediterranean vibe, hot chicks, warm weather. Give it to me, baby. <laughs> uh, almost no clothes most of the time. Or, or uh, maybe it's hot, it's hot and humid. Or maybe, uh, or maybe a spin off on the Iron Islands. And the, and the yeah, that's where I was. That's exactly where I was going to go. Okay. Iron Islands could be its own thing because it, it is really treated as its own thing in many ways. Yara is still just hanging out there, as far as we know, right? Yeah, what a great show! Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's it, listen, this has been I, in my, my my opinion. Well, it's all nitpicking today. My opinion is the best. It's the best TV ever made. I agree. It, it is the highest quality. Most it's certainly the most expensive. Oh yeah. And, Not close. And, look at the money. Right. And and that's good for television. Hopefully there'll be more of it. What's also great is that you had well, people assembling in bars to watch this. And I've seen viral videos of bars reacting when yeah. Arya kills the Night King. And it, it dawned on me, Charge, I'm like, this is kind of like who shot JR. That we're living oh, in a yeah. fractured television universe where there's no shared experiences watching mm -hmm. at home. And this is a rare case in which... 40, 50 million people will watch something other than the goddamn Super Bowl and react together. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's what makes it special, right? I mean, you know, that's why we're, you know, my radio station, we're burning segments on Game of Thrones, not not the not the Minnesota Twins or the NFL draft today. You know, we're <laughs> you know, we're talking about a show about dragons and knights and you know, kings and intrigue and drama. And you know, we're talking about television because it is collectively the biggest cultural event of the decade for sure since it started yeah and maybe maybe farther back than that it is the biggest worldwide share and maybe the biggest worldwide shared cultural event ever because it's every biggest bit in big in india and china and europe as it is here the whole world is watching this show game of thrones is is big worldwide huh oh absolutely wow. gigantic worldwide yes man all right yep I got two I minutes. It. I got two minutes for the NFL draft. Who did your Vikings get? All right, good. Uh, my Vikings uh, hit their first two. Uh, their first two picks were were fantastic. They got the best center in the draft, and and a guy that's really really good uh, named Garrett Bradbury. And then they got one of the three good tight ends in the second round. And the team has got only one tight end under contract next year, and they might let Kyle Rudolph, their current highly paid oh boy. Uh, tight end, they might let him go altogether because they don't have enough money to sign their own rookies right now. Thanks a lot, Kirk. Yeah, that's good. It is. That's the (laughs) effect right there. It is. So then my squad, Zabe proceeded after making those first two picks, they traded down. They went into the, they traded down. Uh, they traded down three straight times in the third round and traded themselves all the way out of the third round. Wow. They came into the draft with seven picks. They left a 12 because they, they decided they had to own the sixth round. And own the so sixth. they, uh, you know, they ended up probably, that's our motto, own the sixth round. And, uh, so they ended up picking a bunch of guys that nobody knows a lot about yet. Their first two picks are great. And after that, it's, it's a crapshoot. I like your squad's draft a lot better than I like mine. Well, all 32 teams claim to have aced the draft. I've yet to re the only team that's getting killed is the giants and properly. So cause cause Gettleman is like the mad King. He's, he's there to absolutely ruin the New York giants. And it's great to see in my division, <laughs> but otherwise every team thinks they killed it in the draft. And we all know you don't know. And I don't know until we see how these guys play out. Uh, yeah, here's what I'll tell you right now. What I do think I know Zabe and this will be our subject for next time we talk. Worst draft for fantasy players in the maybe it's certainly the, the 25 years I've been doing this. This is the worst draft I've ever seen for fantasy players. Why? Oh, you mean for incoming Even the rookies? Good players all for incoming rookies. You know, normally we've got Saquon Barkley well, of the world, right? You, you know got, why? Because these- the number one running back was Jacobs at 26. And there was one wide receiver. The Ravens took what's his name, uh, Brown. Brown. Yeah. So yeah, it's and look yeah. at the, the landing spots for these guys were terrible. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. Brown, Marquise Brown, landed with Lamar Jackson. Oh, right. He's you know he 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 landed to a team with, with a quarterback who can't pass. Josh Jacobs, oh, you mentioned shit. the first rounder. He went to a, he went to the most dysfunctional team in the NFL. Miles Sanders was the second running back taken. He went to the Eagles. They've got five running backs. Where J- where Jacobs go again? He went. Jacobs went to the Raiders. Oh, that's right. The Raiders. Yeah. All the right. Raiders. And, and next uh, year, yeah. next year it's going to be in Vegas, which is going to be crazy. I'm already thinking of yes. where will they plop it down, in and amongst the strip, to make it the most visually impactful because. Nashville was a home run. 
because of it the was. setting. Although I dispute people say, you know, the NFL says 600,000 people attended the draft. I'm like, 600,000 people went to Broadway and got drunk and overheard the draft. You put the draft, <laughs> you put the draft in the cornfield and then you can count heads and tell me how many attended the draft. The same thing will be with Vegas. People love being part of a festival and this is footstock for lack of a better term, it's a way for people to go and gather and drink and wear their jerseys and have fun. They're not hanging on every fucking pick like they're watching the real draft. No, mostly no. Mostly no. There's a contingent that clearly do that, but especially in Nashville. And you've been to Nashville, right? You've seen Broadway. No. No? Oh, it's a, God, it's, it's fantastic. A, it's a glaring hole in my world travel resume, which needs to be get fixed ASAP. It really does. It is awesome. I mean, it, it it's just it's this it's this main strip right through downtown with all of these amazing it's mostly country music Honky, which I love, but it's bars, these yeah. all these music bars, music bar, music bar, music bar. Oh, I know. And the food in Nashville is awesome. You don't have to sell me. I've heard all the stories and the drunk and easy all bachelorette right. parties. Drunk bachelorettes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so but next year in Vegas is gonna be wild. And then do you think Minnesota will ever get one? Oh, hell no. Do you think Washington will ever get one? No way. Uh, people are like, oh, we should put it on the no. mall. I'm like, no, we shouldn't. Who's going to go no. down to the goddamn mall to stand around and watch uh, someone get picked? A center get they, picked. They want, <laughs> they want it. What they want is they want it just like it, just like Nashville where there's you're surrounded by bars and restaurants and stuff to do and everything. Yeah. The mall wouldn't help with that at all. Yeah. I don't. I don't think so. Philly. I think, I think Philly. Philly was the strongest because there really wasn't anything else to do on the steps of the Rocky Museum. So mm-hmm. I'll give Philly credit for that. Chicago was a little bit more festive and outdoorsy because there was things to do right around there. Uh, Dallas, they had yeah. one right, and that was at Jerry World. And Correct. I think that's Correct. the only outdoor ones we've had since it. they started moving around. Yep. I think that's right. it. Vegas will be great. So, Zabe Vegas 2020. Draft. What about doing it around the draft instead of March Madness? Charge, I swear to God, I've thought long and hard about that for this reason alone. There's a lot of stuff to gamble on, NBA playoffs, NHL, etc. Yes. It's super nice and warm at that point, so the pools yes. are open. And yes. it's a little bit out of the impacted area of late March, early April masters. It's a better weekend overall it in is. my yearly calendar. I totally agree. And I'll, 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 I'll say this as well in a typical, in a typical March madness, if Maryland's still alive for sweet 16, you got to, you know, a lot of your listeners care if, um, if Wisconsin's still alive or right. Marquette's they, still alive, they might be going to care. the game, but if they're not, but if they, they aren't in, they don't care. They as don't much. care. They, You're right. They don't care as much. The problem. Yeah, I don't have to even worry. About it. The problem is, you know, hotel rooms and airfare is going to suck next year for that weekend. It's already well, too late to get a good deal. I bet. I haven't even I looked, know. but I'm just I guessing. Don't know that that's true. Really? I don't know that that's true. I think I. Dude, well, this, is gonna, this is going to be a massive draw. Uh, bro, bro, can I can I drop a bro on you? Bro, this is the no, NFL. I really wish you wouldn't. This is the NFL. This is King fucking Kong. 
this event is going to impact Vegas 10 times, the stupid little college basketball tournament. Trust me on this. It's the NFL charge. Yeah, yeah, and and it's the NFL hitting a market that is never had the NFL, right? This is the first real NFL first. thing to ever happen in Vegas. Right. Remember, they shut down Tony Romo's fantasy event. Oh, in I remember. Vegas five years ago, yeah. right? Because you couldn't have an NFL event in Vegas. It's the so, NFL. Uh, it's will- warm. It's spring break time. Buckle mm-hmm. up. It's going to be huge. Charge, I could go on and on and on, but I'm trying to recover from bronchitis. Thank you for your time today, and thank you for your nerdery. I love to learn something new every day, and I did today with your buddy who wrote the Superman Death comic book. Fascinating stuff. Yes. Uh, we will talk down the road, and maybe uh, we'll uh, get nerdy on fantasy football rookies or something. Uh, we got to find an excuse. I, just, I want to talk to you once a month. Will do. Pimp your podcast one more time. It's called Men of the North. It's available on iTunes and all the major, yeah, all the major, you know, I don't know, podcasting outlets or whatever. We do Men it of the KFN, North. and myself and several of my other co-hosts there. Okay, one of only all I, Game of Thrones. All I think the time. I think it's one of only six Game of Thrones related podcasts currently yeah, right, exactly. in America. That's it. There's only six. All right, Charge. Good to talk to you, buddy. Thanks. Thank you. See you. Bye Let's end on this today. It's embarrassing that the Kansas City Chiefs have not yet cut Tyreek Hill. I don't know what they're waiting for. I guess they're clinging by their fingernails to go, oh, maybe we can keep him, please, somehow. Maybe we can find him some babysitting classes so he won't punch his three-year-old son in the chest. What a despicable piece of shit Tyreek Hill has proven to be. And what... A joke that after giving being given such an incredible second chance and with what he is poised to be and do in the NFL and the money he's going to make, that he would still be this way. The audio recordings are indisputable. And the Chiefs could easily, if they wanted to, but you know they don't, say, okay, Tyreek, come on in. Here's the recordings. Here's what the television station is saying. Is that you on this Recording, yes or no? Yeah, it's me, but it's out of context. No, that's enough. We're done here. You're cut. That's all it should take. But the Chiefs, of course, don't want to do that. They want to play this slow game and think, well, you know. And again, this goes back to what's my theory. We're living in a Ralph Northam era now in society. Wait it out. Wait out the outrage. Play the long game. And you might say, well, Zabe, they're doing, they're doing exactly what you say they shouldn't do. Or, or uh, you're, you're making you, Zabe, are the one who is overreacting. You're the one who's going, oh, just cut them right now and, and, and fall prisoner to the moment. Yeah, it's different, though, with this. It's different. It's different. This is not just something he said that was offensive. This is not just a first incident in which it's unclear as to, hmm, what really happened? Grown man, grown woman, relationship, fight. Ah, I don't know who to get. No, 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 no. This is different. Cut this scumbag. Tomorrow, today, yesterday, what's taken so long? He might be placed on the commissioner's exempt list. 
Now, here is the dumbest idea that I have ever heard. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, suggests in the wake of this Tyreek Hill story that the NFL somehow increase the risk for teams who take on players with violent histories by taking away future draft picks if a player commits a serious off-field offense. Peter King, who liked the idea, which is insane, says the logistics would need to be worked out, but the idea would be to discourage teams from simply taking a flyer on a player with serious off-field baggage and only paying lip service to them earning a second chance. Okay, do you? I love how Peter King's like, oh yeah, the logistics would need to be worked out. Yeah, you think? How would you then, and think about how unfair that is to somebody coming into the league who had an unfortunate incident in their past, but they are truly now on a better path. That It's effectively pre-killing guys' pro careers if you were to do that, which I think is terribly unfair. Now, you might say I sound like I'm all over the case here. I'm all over the place on my stance on this. I'm not. I think guys deserve a second chance. But I also think it's ludicrous when a guy's been given a second chance, like Tyreek Hill, and there's absolute evidence that he has been doing scumbaggish things with a child and you're hanging on to him like, oh, he's the precious. We can't get rid of him. The NFL should have probably never gone down the road of being in this business. And now Mike Florio wants them to go even further by creating some kind of multi-tiered chart as to, well, you, you drafted a guy who had a DUI. That counts as a potential third round pick lost if he gets a parking ticket once he's a pro. But don't worry, Peter King says, eh, the logistics need to be worked out. The NFL should start backing out of this space and just, you know, letting teams keep guys that are, you know, if, if it, the Chiefs want to keep Tyree Kill and say to their fans, come on out, watch Tyree Kill, a guy who's punching his three-year-old child in the chest, then that's on the Kansas City Chiefs. And they'll have to live with that. All right, that'll do it for me today. Abbreviated edition. Thanks to Charge for coming on, talking a little bit of Game of Thrones. Nerd! I didn't even cough that much, which is a good sign. I do feel like shit, though. And if you make me laugh, I am going to wheeze up like a like a 80-year-old wheezer, like Fred Sanford. <laughs> Excuse me. So there you go. Thanks for listening. Thanks for giving me a day off. And uh, please, download the uh, podcast app. The Zabecast, get it wherever your podcasts are delivered at your iTunes or Google Play Store, and we will see you next time. Like rain on the sun today, like a million dollars that you're giving away, like a slave dog.